Good evening. Thank you, praise team again. They do an outstanding job. Thank you for coming out. I don't know if you noticed or not, it is cold outside. I moved back to Alabama, so I didn't have to deal with being cold outside. The blessings about living in Alabama in the wintertime is this. It's cold now. In the morning, it's going to be cold, cold. And tomorrow afternoon, it's going to be 50 degrees. In Kentucky, they have shut down. Every church that I've been a part of in Kentucky today, they shut it down because the roads are too bad. Snow and ice and sleet. And they won't be saying the same thing. Well, tomorrow it'll be 50 degrees. No, they'll say, the good thing about living in Kentucky is it's cold now, but in May, it'll be 50 degrees. <laughs> you got your Bibles. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24. The title of my sermon tonight is this, On the Road. On the Road. We've been talking about why you're looking for the scripture. We've been talking about uh, come to the table. And when I started working on this series, when the Lord gave me this series, he, he started talking about all the different encounters. And, and that's what every one of the stories that's going to be in this series, Come to the Table, is about encounters that people have had with Jesus and how their lives were changed. As unlikely as these stories are, it's the encounters that they had. And I thought when I was studying these, of so many stories that could be used, so many encounters. And, and I didn't want to preach this series for the next three years because I knew you'd get tired of that. So I'm going to take it about five, six weeks, and, and I had to narrow it down to five or six stories that really stood out to me. So what I'm going to start doing on Sunday nights is I'm going to start hitting on some of the stories that didn't quite make the cut but are just as important. They're just as big encounters with God, and they speak to us in many, many ways. So we're going to talk about one of those tonight. <clears throat> On the road, Luke chapter 24, we'll start in verse 13. The Bible says, And now the same day two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. All right, now it says the same day. Now the same day these two... First, these two were disciples, not one of the twelve. They weren't two of the twelve apostles, but they were disciples of Jesus. There was only two of them walking on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. This same day that he talks about is Resurrection Sunday. The very morning that Jesus rose from the grave. So these two men have already witnessed what had happened at the cross. These two men were going home after the Passover festivities, after seeing what they saw on Friday. They are going home. So imagine what's going through their minds. These two disciples of Jesus, after seeing all that they've seen this weekend. And they're on this seven-mile journey from Jerusalem. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. So Jesus walks up. These two men are walking by. Jesus shows up. And he begins to walk with them. And they don't recognize. The, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, keeps them from recognizing who Jesus is. And he asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. 
The one named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, Jesus asked. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping, keep that in mind, we were hoping that he was the one that was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from, from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they did not find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. So they're walking along, talking about the argument, the dispute that we're having was, we've already seen what happened. Is it real? Did Jesus really raise from the dead? Did somebody steal his body? They were going over all these they were having the same argument that people have been having for 2,000 years. Did it really happen? So they're walking along, and Jesus shows up, and he asks them what was going on. We'll look at three things tonight, three things that Jesus did with these two men. And the first is this. He walked with them. Don't miss that. He walked with them. This was Resurrection Sunday. Jesus had just come back from the grave. And he takes the time to walk with two disciples. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I don't know if you've ever caught that. But Jesus took time to walk with two disciples. The day of his resurrection. He walked with them. He took the time to walk with these two men. Jesus appears between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. He appears recorded in the Bible ten times to more than 500 people. And he has 40 days. Imagine, you, you come back from the grave, you're setting up what needs to be done for the rest of of the time that the earth has. He has 40 days to appear to people, to talk, to get them ready. He appears 10 times recorded in the Bible, over 500 people. In this instance, on the day of his resurrection, he appears to two disciples. Not two of the apostles, just two unnamed. They give a name to one, but we don't know who in the world these two guys were. And Jesus shows up and takes time to walk with them. Why in the world did Jesus take the time to walk with just these two disciples? Because they had unbelief. Because they had unbelief, they were arguing. And their argument was not on a grand scale. Two disciples just turmoil inside their soul that they had seen all these things. And they don't know if Jesus had risen, if somebody had stole his body, They've heard accounts, but nobody has seen him. And Jesus shows up and he walks. He doesn't just show up and say, hey, I did it. It's me. And go on to the next. He walked with them for seven miles. T 
talking with them because they had unbelief in their heart. God loves you so much, he will stop everything else he is doing if you have a broken heart, if you have turmoil in your life, if your ministry takes a turn that you didn't think it should take, he will stop everything and show up just for you. They had unbelief in their heart. I heard the story of a missionary family visited this pastor. They were getting ready to eat, so the missionaries, this family's mother called in the children for supper. And as they come through the door, now wash your hands, wash your hands. She said, make sure we wash your hands. And the littlest one stopped, and he put his hands on his hips, and he scowled, and he said, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all I ever hear. And he paused for a second, and he said, and I ain't ever seen either one of them. They had the dilemma in their heart. And the scripture says, they hoped. We had hoped. Now imagine, they're telling Jesus this. They don't know it's him. They just told Jesus, this guy came and he did amazing things and we hoped that he was the savior of the world. Desperate. Hopeless. We get that way sometimes. We, I, I don't care if we're disciples of Jesus, if we're children of God, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we just get discouraged. Sometimes we're walking through this life and things just ain't going right and things are tough and things are, and we are just, just talking and, and how many times is Jesus right there listening to us? Because we have discouragement, because we have unbelief. First thing he did is he walked with them. The second thing he did is he reviewed with them. Verse 25 says, now this is Jesus talking to these two disciples. How foolish are you and how slow to believe all the prophets, all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? He had just conquered death, hell, and the grave. He could have so easily just showed them his hands showed them his feet, showed them his side. And yet he said, don't you see, according to the scriptures, all this stuff had to happen. He reviewed with them. The next verse says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. What did Jesus do? He had Bible study with these two men just rose from the dead and he had Bible study took time to have Bible study with these two men can you imagine being a part of that Bible study he took the scriptures and showed them the Bible is of utmost importance to our lives and so many times we miss that we want to know we want answers God says I've already given the answers we want to know what God's will is for life. God says, I've already told you what I need you to do. How do I deal with this? I've already told you. I've given you my word. And we forget sometimes that God has already written us these love letters on how to live our lives. We just don't need it anymore, we think. And I was reminded of this this morning. I was at a life group a few weeks back, and... Uh, Actually, I guess it was around Christmas time, 
and we were closing up the life group, and it was Brother, Brother Mike's life group, and, and the kids had already got their presents, and they was playing with these toys and stuff. And at the end of the life group, Mike was sitting in his chair, and these kids were all around him, and he said, now remember, kids, read your Bibles every day. And one certain little girl was over in the corner. She was playing this, and she said, oh, do we have to? And I told him, after the life of me, we all laughed, of course. I told him, I said, how many adults? You wouldn't say that loud because we're too holy for that. But how many adults, when we're told to read our, and uh, Aaron told me, he said, I almost, because I, I said, when you put your uh, bulletin this morning, when I close, I said, put your bulletin in your Bible. That way, when you get up and do your daily devotion, your daily Bible reading, then you'll have your bulletin right there. He said, I almost spoke up and said, oh, do we have to? And I wish he had. We take this for granted so much, and I, I'm in the same boat. I'm not pointing fingers. I sometimes get so busy in life, even doing the things of God, I forget to stop and listen to what God is telling me. Uh, we take that for granted. We do. As, as children of God, we take that. As Americans, we take that for granted. I got a uh, letter from Kale and Danielle this morning, and I read it this afternoon, and one of the stories they told in the letter was they said, we went to this house. And, and we got to, to talk with his family and spend some time with his family. And she said that the general consensus in that area is they do believe in, in God and one true God, and, and they believe in, in the Ten Commandments, and if you do enough, and if you're good enough. And she said, of course, that's not enough. But she said they, were, they wanted to know about the Bible, and they only had one Bible, and it was King James. And she, she said, I, I can't hardly read the King James Version and English is my first language. I couldn't imagine how hard it would be for them to translate. She said, so we got a hold of a pastor, a local pastor, and he got a, an, a whole Bible that was translated in their language and a little Bible study. And he said, you would not believe how overly excited that entire family was that they had a Bible to study. And we take that for granted. How important is it? It's so important that Jesus took the time to talk with two men walking home. And instead of just revealing himself, which he so could have easily done, he reviews with them the scripture. If we were given a test on our Bible knowledge, on what the Bible says about Jesus, and because we always talk about Jesus and we tell about people that, that they need to, to live for Jesus, but how much do we really know how much do we really study I heard the story of an eight-year-old boy and he come home and uh, he said dad we need to have a talk so dad stopped what he was doing he sat down at the kitchen table and the little boy said I don't mean to scare you but my teacher said if I don't get better grades somebody around here is getting a spanking Jesus didn't spank them. Jesus reviewed with them. He began with Moses and the prophets, and he talked about all the things. So he talked about Moses and about them leading the children of Israel out of the wilderness. Talked about Abraham and Isaac and how Isaac was supposed to be the sacrifice, and he was saved. And Jesus was the sacrifice, and he was not spared that. Told about the story of the Passover when they killed the lamb and they put the blood over the doorpost and 
the death angel come by. And when the blood was applied, they were saved. I told the story that I told this morning of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And when they looked upon the serpent, they were healed. He talked about Isaiah speaking of the suffering servant. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And he began to review all of these things. The Bible and the study of the Bible is very important. I heard a story one time of a little girl was sitting in the back of the church, and she had a storybook in her hand. It was Jonah and the whale. The pastor was back there, and he seen the book, and he was feeling a little mischievous so he walked over to the little girl and he said what do you got there she said this is a storybook of Jonah and the whale he said do you believe that she said well sure I do he said do you really believe a big whale could swallow a man and keep him in there for three days and then spit him out and he'd be just fine she said yes she said I believe that with all my heart she said we talked about it in Sunday school this morning he said can you prove it she stopped for a second she said well, I don't guess I can, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask him. He was going to push it a little farther. She said, well, the pastor said, well, what if you get to heaven and Jonah's not there? She put her hands on her hip. She said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> they were distraught. They forgot about the scripture. They forgot about the serpent in the wilderness. They forgot about Jesus telling them that he had to be killed for them to be redeemed. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes our ministry doesn't go the way we want it to go. And we forget God is still on the throne. We forget that Jesus is still guiding our path. I, I have, I remember, young preachers, we, you want to be pastors. I remember as a young preacher, I, I, I wanted to be a pastor. After I preached for a while, and, and uh, I remember the first church that I thought I'm going to be, and I truly believe, I said, I will be the pastor of this church. And things just absolutely fell apart, devastated me, because that was my plan. That was where my ministry was going. And God said, no, that's not. And plans changed. And over the years, that's happened several times. I thought, this is where God wants me, and this is where I'm heading, and this is what I'm working for, and I, I know it. I see it all. I've got it, and God has different plans. And we get discouraged because that's not happening. But I want you to know if it's happening to you like it's happened to me, God is still in control. God is guiding you, and if he keeps you away from something, there's a reason for it. If he takes you into something, there's a reason for it. And he had to review with them. This all had to happen because it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Jesus was supposed to come. He was supposed to take over control. They were supposed to defeat the Romans, and everything was fine. They were thinking the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God for all eternity. And so he reviewed with them. And then finally, the third thing, he revealed unto them. Verse 28 says, They came near the village, where they were going, and he gave, the he gave the impressions, Jesus, that he was going on further. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he spent nearly the entire day with them. 
So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? So Jesus goes, and he acts like he's going to go on down the road, and they say, please stay. It's getting late. You come in, and, and let's at least feed you. So they go in. They recline. Remember, day of his resurrection. He's got 40 days, 500 people to appear in front of him. He takes time to walk with them. He takes time to review with them. And then he stops and goes in to eat with them. He sits down, blesses and breaks the bread, and their eyes are open. They see Jesus, the one that had been walking the whole time with them, the one they had been talking about. They see Jesus, and then he's gone. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us about the Scripture? He revealed to them. He could have done that from the very beginning. He could have walked up to them and said, hey, I am Jesus. And he took the time because he loves us. This story, this story is the best example I can give you of how much God is willing to spend time on you. All the things he has to do, he takes the time to spend it with you, to study with you, to talk with you. And then finally, their reward for walking with him. He revealed himself unto them. Jesus is always walking with us. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. One of my favorite stories or sayings, I've always seen it on plaques, is Footprints in the Sand. I don't know if you've ever heard that and read this poem. But it's a poem about somebody, and they have a dream. And in this dream, they dream of a beach where they are walking with Jesus. And this particular person is carrying on a conversation with Jesus. says, Jesus, I, I, I got a question to ask you. So I, I've seen my life on the path of this beach, and there are two sets of footprints, mine and yours, when you walk beside me. But I realized, looking at my entire life, that my toughest times, when I had the heaviest heart, when I was going through the, the toughest things in my life, it was then that I only saw one set of footprints. And they asked Jesus this question, why during those times did you leave me? And Jesus' reply was this, those times in your life, I didn't leave you. The reason you see one set of footprints is because those times in your life is when I was carrying you. Sometimes he reveals himself to us in scripture. Sometimes he reveals himself to us with his presence. But know this, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, he is right there with you. And nothing is more important to him than seeing you through. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a few seconds. What's happening in your life? That you're walking down that path and you've got questions. Jesus, I don't understand this. This is not the way it was supposed to go. This was not the way it was supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be going through this. I'm not supposed to be facing this. And you may feel all alone. Let me tell you right now, Jesus is walking right beside you. You may not see it. You may not recognize it. He is right beside you. He knows exactly where you're going. He knows exactly what you need. He's already prepared. But I want you to have this story give you heart in this one thing. He loves you completely and he is always there for you so whatever it is in your life take it to him whatever it is you have that you don't understand take it to him let him walk with you let him review with you through his word And let him reveal to you what he has for your life. And then when he does, step into it. When these men realized that was Jesus, the first thing they did was go back to Jerusalem and tell all those what had happened. Father, we're so thankful for this day, for the blessings of life you've given us, for how good you've been to us. Father, I am so completely humbled by the fact that you take time to walk with us. As undeserving as we are, as much as you have to concern yourself with, and you take time to walk with us. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. I pray that as we walk, as we begin to lose faith, as we begin to lose hope that these two men did, that you are revealed to us, that we realize that you're right there. And those times in our life where we can't feel you may be carrying us. Have your will and your way in our lives. Have your will and your way in our ministries. And I pray that we bind together and set the world on fire. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Like the ushers come just now, take up our evening tithes and offering.